Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everyone, and we are here in um, Velden in Austria where hopefully uh, myself and Rob Tanner will be able to record an international version of our Dilly Ding Dilly Dong podcast. Now, technology dependent and how this will work. Um, but let's see, you've just finished here uh, training in Velden in their training camp ahead of a game against Udinese uh, tomorrow in Vortice. It's a beautiful day and it's been extremely hot with a few of the, um, a few of the Leicester City boys um, here we go. Now, moment. And here he is, Robert. Hiya, James. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. So, right, we are here in Belden where Leicester have just finished their training session ahead of their game against Udinese tomorrow. It is James, boiling. I've never seen you so speaking. <laughs> I know it's been it's been absolutely fantastic here, and we're having a great time. Um, it's it's such an, a difference to when you come to Leicester City in the Premier League, and during a season where it's press conference match, press conference match, everyone's more relaxed here. Everyone is having a nice chat and having a good time, and putting a lot of work in. But um, it's been good so far. It's a beautiful place to go, isn't it? And uh, watch Leicester City. And it's a privileged uh, position you're in, really, to see Leicester City train and how they prepare because we don't see this during the season. No, we don't. Um, we don't really. We're not usually allowed access to to training. Now we've been given unprecedented access to Leicester City's camp here. Uh, we've been to train. We've been to training on both Thursday and now today on Friday, and we're allowed to take pictures, allowed to film the warm-ups. Uh, less so the the more technical stuff, but we're, we're given access to we're, we're speaking to the players. I've not I've just spoken to Ricardo Pereira for his first interview since joining um, from Porto. All the players are here, just sat milling around, and if they're not playing, you can just stand and have a chat and, and see how they're getting on. It's a lot more relaxed. It's a lot more a lot more friendly, and it's just yeah, it's it's interesting to see how they all work. When we see Claude well in his press conferences, be, be, be quiet and be quite reserved. Here you get to see him firsthand and see how he goes about coaching his team. It's really interesting. Well, when I went to LA two years ago and I watched Claudio go through the, uh, the training process with his players, I was uh, amazed how aggressive he was with them, and which is very different to the Claudio that we used to see in the press conferences. So how's Claude been different on the training ground to what we see in the press conferences? Um... He's not been overly different. Like he's not been like Claudio was. He's not been screaming and shouting. The person that's been doing that is Adam Sadler, the um, the new or the new first team coach who's moved up from being an analyst and taken basically what was Michael Appleton's job. He's the one who makes all the noises, shouts, and that really strong Geordie accent really does split through this Austrian um, Austrian sky. He's the one that's being all shouty and, and a little bit sweary from time to time. Claude is as you would expect him to be. He's quite he's reserved. 
at the start of sessions, he will be the one that paces out all the cones. He sets out the drills. He knows what he wants. And he waits for his team to come out there. And once everyone is ready, he brings them all around, talks to them as a group, does so very calmly and, as you imagine, quite quietly. But everyone, everyone listens. Everyone listens to what he's got to say. And then the session will start. If he has got a point to make, he'll stop the training sessions. We've seen a few times. And he will ask everyone to gather around and he'll make his point clear. Um, so he, there's a bit of a quiet authority about him here, which is interesting to see as, because when we see him in press conferences, he is quite quiet and we do th- and we think sometimes, how can he inspire people if, if, if he's like this? But from out here, you see that he has that kind of that, like I say, quiet, quiet authority to his, to his, how he coaches. What about the new lads? How are they settling in? I know you've had a sit down with, uh, Johnny Evans and Ricardo. Um, what did you make of them, Pierre? Yeah, so I spoke to Evans um, yesterday on Thursday. He's been really good. Uh, the both settled in well. I spoke to Evans about what it's like being being basically an experienced head coming into a new group. Is he is he welcomed in as a bit of a new boy, or is he seen as that kind of older headmaster figure coming in? And he said, no, no they've all been they've all made him feel welcome. He he's been he's been rooming with we roomed with Callum Elder when they were out in in France, in Nevian, um, and here he's with, who did he say, maybe Madders. So he's had a few young lads here who've put their arm around him, really. That's been the other way around. So usually the experienced head welcoming the youngers. This time the young lads have been welcoming Evans in. So he's good. He's enjoying it. Um, he's been uh, getting up to full fitness. He says this, it's about, he needs to get a few more miles in the legs, but he's been enjoying it. Pereira is a good lad. We spoke to him today. He, his English is, is really good, actually. Talking to him about the move to Leicester, what it was like, um, how it came about, how he's fit in. Cause he knew Adrian Silva from Portugal and he's known Papi Mendy from playing at Nice. He's good as well. Uh, those, we'll be running those interviews late in the Mercury later on this week. So everyone's been settling in really well. Spoke to James Madison uh, just a quick chat at the side of the training pitch. He's loving life here. He's been impressive in the first two games, but he he's he was a bit more, a bit more kind of like, oh well, it's been going all right, but there's definitely more to come from me, which is which is a positive. Uh, but yeah, it has been really good and been really friendly, been really relaxed, been really hot. But other than that, it's been excellent so far. Well, it's baking hot here as well, James. So we're, we're yeah. sharing that with you. Um, what do you make? What did you make of the friendly uh, the other night against the Turkey side? I'll call on the Turkey side because I won't attempt to pronounce the name. But uh, obviously early in the pre-season, can't read too much into it. But was there any early signs about how they might line up on the start of the season? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that was... We saw a pretty exciting game against Notts County, didn't we? Where they performed well and, and created lots of chances and scored goals. This was slightly different. The, the team here was very aggressive, very physical. Leicester had just had a pretty hard training session ahead of the game, and you could tell really they weren't as they weren't as sharp as quick as they were against Notts County. Papi Mendy started his second game. He started both both games, and that raised questions over whether he's going to play more of a role under Puel now that he's back and fully fit from his his knee spell. Of course, he might not get more. He might not get as much of a chance when the internationals start to play, like Silver and Ndidi. But he's the only midfielder to have start, central midfielder to have started both games, which is a decent sign. 
Damari Gray started up front again. That's two games now that he started up front. That's because Vardy and Iheanacho and Okazaki aren't back and playing yet. But he started down the middle twice. And Yuzhoa and Slomani haven't. So you can read into that as you will as to what um, their futures hold at Leicester. But as we say, as preseason friendlies are mainly about fitness. It's mainly about looking at systems and shapes. The fitness is getting there. It wasn't the best game on Wednesday against the Turkey side, you have to admit. Danny Ward made two saves, uh, two strong saves in the first half and looks like he might be able to give Casper that competition that he needs. Um, other than that, it was one of those you have to kind of put down to being a bit of a pre-season friendly. All about the fitness. And what about Austria? What, what have you made of Austria? City keep going back year after year after year. There's something that draws them back there. Um, I've been there a couple of times. I think it's beautiful. What, what have you made of it? It's, it is stunning. I remember before we came out, you said that I love it and think it's a, it's a beautiful place, and it really is. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. It's. I, I did a piece earlier on in the week about it on how we're so used to the Premier League and how that is so loud and intense and aggressive and in your face and all that like shot of adrenaline that the Premier League brings. This is just completely opposite. It's just so relaxed and tranquil and beautiful. You've got the Alps to one side. You've got just forests and hills to the other. It's, it really is a, the perfect place to get away from it all and, and be able to get, go about your preparations in peace because, I mean, it's been sunny all the way through. We've had one rain shower and I think that was yesterday. That's it. It's been, be- it's been beautiful sunshine all the way through. And it's been, it's been beautiful. I can see myself living here when I'm slightly older and more retired. So what are the locals made of Leicester City being in town? Um, I'll, I'll, I don't think that they are fully aware that Leicester City are in town. I mean, today was the first, today was the first day that we've had any foreign press here. There was no one at training yesterday, but we've had a, an Austrian agency come today and an Austrian photographer come today. We've had no real big crowds. These training sessions are, are open, really. Uh, there's some burly security guards making sure they don't get too close to the players. But it's been open, and all we've had so far is a few few crowd of locals that have come to watch. At the game on Wednesday, there was a smallish crowd. You wouldn't say there's any more, any more than 1,000 there. A few of them were in Leicester City shirts. I, I asked one of them, assuming he was from Leicester, and said, oh, it's great to see a Leicester City fan here. And he re- looked at me quite blankly and replied in German. So I think he was more of a <laughs> Christian Fuchs fan than a Leicester fan, because that's the thing. Fuchs is still a huge draw out here. He got the biggest cheer of anyone on Wednesday night. The Austrian press were here to speak to him and him only. He's, he's still, he's a former Austria national team captain, but he's still drawing the crowds and he's still a bit of a, bit of a celebrity around here. Have there been any Fuchs challenges then that you've seen? No, we haven't actually. He's, he's been, um, he's not given any of his usual no Fuchs given challenges. What the players are doing, the players are, are doing something, I mean, I'm not going to go into explaining it because I tried to ask Johnny Evans about this and people who are watching who follow the Leicester City fans on Instagram might know a bit more. Something to do with a daily wolf, it's called the wolf. Johnny Evans was being interviewed by me and James Madison walked by and called him the wolf. It's to do with um, 
someone is is called the wolf and he has to tell lies and bluff people and people have to guess in the group who it is. Something like that. That's the game they've been playing the most, I think, while they've been out here. So there's been that. Um, a few of the lads have been out uh, on on the lake, on the speedboats. Yeah, no worries. It's something to do with the lads have been playing a bit of a game. I think they call it the wolf. It's to do with someone is is named the wolf and they have to try and bluff everyone else to think it's someone else and not them. That's what all the lads are talking about at the minute. That's the game they've been playing the most. I can't tell you the rules. I tried to ask Johnny Evans what they were. He said they were too complicated. That's the basic that I've got for you. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Um, James, um, we've got most of the lads out there now. And there's only Harry Maguire and Jamie Vardy left to join up with the squad. Are we expecting the lads that have joined this week to play any part against Udinese on Saturday? Yes, we we are. Um, Vardy and Maguire aren't the only two that aren't here. Shinji Okazaki isn't here either. Apparently, he's been given a, he's been given extra time off as well. Uh, even though he Japan only got to the last sixteen, as did Portugal and Nigeria, um, no, Portugal um, and, and the other and Denmark. Uh, Okazaki's been given extra time off as well, so he'll join back up with the squad next week. Of those who are here, we do expect those international boys to start to feature. They didn't play against Akiza Sport, which I think is the right pronunciation. They didn't play then. They were watching on from the stands. But they are expected to start to feature now uh, against Udinese on Saturday. And then once they get back against Valencia on uh, next Wednesday and then against Lille in France the next weekend. So now we're going to start to see the international boys start to come back into into action. I think then we'll start to be able to get more of an idea of who Claude Paul is looking at being his first choice for the start of the season. Because um, we haven't, cause we can't really judge that yet because the international boys aren't back. Uh, what we may be able to judge is, is systems. I mean, a lot of us have been talking about potentially playing three at the back. I know it's something that we've talked about on previous podcasts with the likes of Ricardo Pereira and Ben Chilwell attacking fullbacks. At the minute, we haven't seen any of that. Claude has played four-two-three-one in both friendlies so far. There's not even been a whiff of a three-man central defence, despite the fact they've had Wes Morgan, Johnny Evans, Johan Benlawan. Oh, no, Benlawan hasn't featured yet. Sorry. So uh, Donnell Johnson, Callum Elder. Uh, if you can hear a bit of a noise, it's the groundsman about to drive past. <laughs> Yeah, so there's quite a few central defenders out here, but none of them so far have played in a three. So I think if we're looking at reading into systems, I think we might be looking at four-two-three-one at the start of the season. Right. Has there been any sort of hints of transfer news or any sort of uh, possible new arrivals once you've been out there? Because the rumour mill certainly been turning again back here in the UK. Yeah, out of here, not so much. I mean, I mean, the, the biggest speculation really out for people who are out here is of Kasper Schmeichel. I know there's been a lot of speculation about his future, a lot of interest, well, reported interest from Roma and Chelsea. But Schmeichel's out here and Schmeichel is out here working hard. He's been laughing and joking in training. He's been doing lots of work with the goalkeepers. He, well, when I was recording him yesterday, uh, he scored a, a hat-trick 
in about two minutes against um, against the academy lad Max Bramley. So from what we're getting out here, there's no real sense, no real talk about who's leaving or who's coming in. I know on Wednesday while the game was going on, the news of the Iran winger joining Brighton broke. So he's obviously not joining. Uh, there's been little talk out here about transfers. It does seem as though they're going to have to get rid of a few players before any more come in. Um, but I guess you've been on having your finger on the pulse when he transfers stuff back home. I know there's a lot of talk about Harry Maguire and Manchester United from watching on from afar. What's been going on there? Well, there's been uh, a lot of speculation about Man United um, trying to make an approach to Leicester City. A lot of speculation about a £60 million bid or possibly £65 million bid for Harry Maguire. But Leicester City's response has been emphatic. He is not for sale. And that's come from the very top as well. So we know what uh, Vishai is like. He plays hardball in the transfer market. He certainly did it in two windows uh, over the Riyad Mahrez situation. And I know Mahrez has now moved on to Manchester City and got that move uh, eventually. But uh, it, uh, it took him a while to get there. And City certainly weren't going to let him go um, without having some sort of control on the situation. And that'll be the same with Maguire. Um, Maguire is uh, key to City's plans. Claude Powell said he wants to build the team around Maguire and they've got a spine of a side there with Schmeichel, Maguire, Nididi and Vardy and they're just not interested in selling any of them. So it's going to take a massive bid and uh, something... Still there, James? Yeah, sorry, mate. I lost you a little bit there. But no, we... I lost a little bit there, sorry, mate. But um, no, like we've we've seen before, haven't we, that Vichai is not a man who gets bullied at all when it comes to transfers. We've seen it with Riyad. Riyad obviously left, but he left pretty much on Leicester's terms. Um, and we see the same with Maguire. Vichai, if he doesn't want to sell a player, he won't sell a player. I know they had to do it with Angelo Kante, but there was a clause in that contract and. Since then, Leicester have had no similar clauses in anyone's contract because they didn't want to get bullied. And I can't see that with Maguire either. I know a few of my a few of my friends who don't support Leicester um, have been texting me saying, what kind of offer would Leicester want for Maguire? How much would they have to pay? And I said, well, there isn't really a number. So, I mean, if you if you want to look at numbers, then look at 80, 100 million. Like These, these numbers don't really mean anything because... Leicester aren't looking to sell, so you can just pluck huge numbers out of the air. When you're a team like Leicester, you don't need to sell anymore. You're not a selling club. You're a rich club with an owner who's got European ambitions who wants to keep his best players. What What is what is a, a, a bid of 70, 80, 90, 100 million? It, those numbers end up being meaningless, don't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's been more speculation over Ben Gibson back in as well, James, that uh, Ben Gibson yeah. has been lined up as a replacement for Maguire. Now, we know that uh, there's been historic interest in the Middlesbrough defender, but it's always been look, uh, seen as a, an expensive deal to do. And the fact that he's just signed a five-year contract as well would make it more, even more expensive. So, I think Leicester City know that if they sold Maguire, they'd be in a similar situation to the situation they find themselves with Mares. It would be uh, very, very difficult to bring in a replacement. Well, yeah. but So, are we looking at... So, is, is Gibson... Is there the reports that he's only as a potential replacement, not as someone who they might be looking to bring in anyway? 
Well, they've been, I, that's what the reports are saying that is a replacement. But we know that uh, City have been looking at Gibson for quite some time as well. And they'd like to get him on board, I think. But it always seems to be uh, a tough one to do. And even more so now with that uh, hefty contract. I'll give you some more transfer rumours back here, James, if you can hear me. Um, yeah, and uh, Jordan Ayew has also been linked as a possible replacement for Mares. Uh, Jordan Ayew at Swansea. His brother Andre is going to Fenerbahce on loan, it looks like. And it looks like Jordan's at the door. There's been a lot of speculation that City are competing with Fulham, who had an £8 million bid uh, rejected for him earlier in the summer. Uh, understand that isn't the case, though. Leicester City aren't in for Ayew. Um, but they okay. still need to bring somebody in, don't they? To, just to give, just to provide another option in that attack. Well, that's the thing that I, I was looking at. Really, is, is is do do they do they is the squad they've got now enough for the start of the season, or do they need to look anywhere else? Because they've got the fullback situation sorted with Pereira, the goalkeeper situation is sorted with Danny Ward. They've got enough central midfielders to shake a stick at. Um, and they've got, why would you bring another striker when you've got Jamie Vardy scoring lots of goals and you've got Ian Acho there as someone who is there for the future? And James Madison's now coming as your creative force. The question then is, is there another winger that needs to come in? Puel's already said that you can't replace Mahrez, he's, he's irreplaceable. So do they go with what they've got or do they think, do you know what, we still do need a little bit of creative quality because can Damari Gray... Diabate and Mark Albright share that load. That that's the question they need to ask. But then you've also got the problem then of how many more players can you fit into this squad? Because I was watching um, training this morning and yesterday. At the start, Claude Puel brings all his squad round and he talks to all of them. Just looking at the size of that squad that he's talking to, and that's without Vardy and Maguire and Okazaki and Matty James there or any new signings there. Do they need to get rid of a few players before they bring in any more? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think they'll be actively looking to do so. I mean, um, Slomani's available for £18 million if anybody wants to take him. And uh, I imagine a few of the other players uh, uh, will be available as well for the right price. So it's going to be an interesting last couple of weeks for the transfer window. Yeah, yeah definitely. It surely is. Um, what I've noticed in, this, in these training sessions, which is something that we haven't really seen, is because we don't see them in training. You expect a pre-season training camp to be quite the training to be quite relaxed. I'm really surprised by how intense and aggressive the players get during training. They're there's, there's swearing. They're, they're getting annoyed at refereeing decisions from the coaches. They are they're all they're flying into tackles. Now that's great to see from, a, from 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 to see them so intense in training and also. It's that probably that professional instinct that you don't want to lose, regardless of whether it's training or not. But then you also think, well, these some of these players, and it might be a pre-season trip, but the international players haven't played yet. This is their chance on the training field in pre-season to to show Claude Puel that either that they that they deserve a, a chance here, or to or for, to, for them not to impress, and Claude go, do you know what? You can you, you can go. Brilliant, James. Well, thanks for your time today. It's been very insightful. Enjoy the rest of your time in Austria. Say hello to the Fraulein's, won't you? I will. And, uh, I, will. I, I will back off to the hotel now to, um, to write up these interviews and, and get cracking with a bit more work.
Brilliant, James. We'll see you soon. And you, pal. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, everyone.